Good morning, Journey. Everybody all right today? How many of you have already had your cup of coffee and you're feeling it? How many of you didn't get your cup of coffee and you wish you had? Well, we're so glad that you're here. We're excited about what God is doing in our lives, in our relationship with him, in our relationship with our spouse, and God is just really breathing life. And we are excited. And for the last two weeks, I've been doing the series on marriage, a covenant, not a contract. What's the difference? A contract is between two people or two organizations simply held by law. Covenant is when it is a relationship between God and his people. And marriage is a covenant. And we've looked at different things on what that means and what that looks like. But sometimes it, it helps to hear it from a, a different perspective. Sometimes it helps to hear from those that have gone through some things, through some trials, through some difficulties, and to be able to say, okay, what got you through? How did you allow God to take something difficult that seemed to be in ashes and make something beautiful out of it? And so today, we're honored to have David and Aaron Jeffries with us, and they are very good friends of Kathy and mine, and, and we are so thankful for them and for them taking time to share their story. And so here's what I want you to do. If you're here and you're single, you are not married, I want you to be looking and thinking, what does God say about marriage? What should I be thinking about? What should I be looking for? If you're here and you are married, to say, Lord, what's the status of my marriage? Is it good? You're going to find out that there started out good. I mean, almost ideal. So sometimes we, we get comfortable and we get slack and say, Lord, what do I need to do in my marriage? But maybe you're here and you're divorced. You say, oh, here we go. Another message on marriage. God has hope for all of us because you know what? We are his bride. He is the head of us. And to have our relationship, and sometimes through those difficulties, we have hurt. And how, how do we deal with that? And so I want you to understand wherever you're at in your relationship status today, there is hope. And I want you to see hope. So what we're going to do is for these first few minutes, we're going to just kind of have like an interview time. Because we... We just don't want you to hear from David, okay? That'd be a one-sided story. We want Aaron to have a chance to, to share. And then after we're done, then David's going to come and share a message with us to help us understand it even better and understand more of what God says. So would you welcome David and Aaron, please? So, how did you meet? Uh, we met in college. We went uh, to a Bible college, and we met our first year there and started dating pretty quickly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So both of us grew up in uh, Christian homes, uh, in church every Sunday. Um, her parents were missionaries, and, uh, well, her dad retired military, but uh, was then called to the mission field. They were church planners. 
so they were in church every Sunday. Uh, family was, uh, was faithful, and uh, my parents were the same way. And uh, so we were in church every Sunday. Uh, we both graduated from Christian schools and then went to Bible college. And uh, so even as we met, we were on, we were on the right path. We were, um, we were following the leading that God had for us. And our, and our parents had done everything within their power to, be, uh, to put us in a place to be successful. So when you guys met, were you completely like each other or was it opposites attract? Opposites attract. <laughs> we are very different, yeah. <laughs> He's outgoing, uh, likes to be in the mix of people, and I'm more introverted and like to study. So in college, we had kind of two different paths we were taking, but God brought us together. We had two completely different groups of people. Yeah. yeah. She stayed with those who studied <laughs> and were concerned about grades, <laughs> yeah. and I stayed with everyone else. <laughs> so it is true, opposites attract. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what were the first years of marriage like? Uh, the first year of marriage were great. Uh, we got married when we were in college. So we got married our junior year in college. Um, and so we had about a year and a half left to finish. And so we were really focused on our studies, really just preparing because we wanted to go out into the ministry and just start serving. And so that was our goal. Um, and, you know, we were newlyweds and in love. So everything was really great. Yeah, no, I would, I would say the same thing. Um, you know, when, when you first get married, it doesn't, probably doesn't matter at what age, but because every, no matter what age, because marriage is new, and, but we were, we really were young and, and, and naive to a, <laughs> to a lot of things and uh, to a lot of people, and, and uh, I mean, we just got married because that's what you do, you know, and we were, we were in love and, and, and uh, wanted to get married, and we knew that, and so the Lord opened those doors, and we talked to our parents, and they um, encouraged us, and, and uh, I understand that. My parents, having a son, they're like, yeah, somebody, somebody will take him, please. <laughs> but now being the son of, or being the, the dad of two girls, um, I understand now what that was like for her dad to, to allow me her hand in marriage. And, uh, and I appreciate that more now than I did, um, now that I have kids for sure. So the, the marriage started out great. Yeah, everybody always says, why do you want to get married? Because we're in love, and that was great. But then life hits, responsibilities hit. What, what was maybe the greatest toll or a couple of the greatest things that started to kind of weigh on you and started kind of maybe pulling you in different directions? Well, right after we graduated uh, college, we graduated in May and, and started in, uh, in a full-time ministry position in June. So we, when we graduated, we had a position that was already waiting on us. We had already uh, accepted the position. So we, we moved right out of a college apartment and into, uh, into an apartment for us uh, getting started. And even then, things were, things were great. You know, we knew that that was a door that the Lord had opened up, and we were, uh, we were serving, and we were, we were faithful. And uh, through time, you know, we had uh, our two children. We have two daughters. And, uh, and so as we began to have children, uh, she began to stay at home. And, and so she was staying at home, and I was working. And just through the course of, uh, of some circumstances, even within my position there, I took on another position. So it almost was as if I was working uh, two jobs 
at the same place. Well, it's not like it was. I was working two jobs at the same place, um, and she was at home. And so I think what probably initiated the first sign of struggle was that we were doing what we thought was right. I was doing what I thought was right. I was, I was fulfilling all of my duties at, at, at work all of the time, uh, leading people. We were leading teenagers. We were leading families. Uh, we were leading a school. We were doing all of these things to be successful. But what I didn't realize as a young man was that my first responsibility was at home and I had, I had gotten that backwards. So, yeah, um, like you said, when we were first married, we were in the ministry serving, and I was able to go with him and do a lot of those things. But then once we had kids, I kind of was stuck at home a lot more, um, and I really began to just resent the ministry and resent anything that he was doing to serve because I felt like God had taken my husband away and was allowing him to serve at all these other places. But here I was at home, you know, 12, 14 hours a day, and he wasn't there. And when he came home, he was tired. Um, never mean or rude, but just, you know, just there. Um, and so then, like I said, I began to resent him, resent ministry, resent anything related to God and became angry and bitter. And so I, in my head, the devil put thoughts in my head and said, well, if your husband is not here all the time and he's checked out, you know, you deserve the right to check out too. Um, and through just different circumstances, he allowed certain things to be in the right place at the right time. And, um, you know, when you, open that door to even just look or think about sin, God allowed, or God, excuse me, Satan just allowed that to um, prosper and fulfill. And so then I decided to leave my marriage um, because I thought it's got to be better than this. You know, I kept thinking, oh, we got married when we were young. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't love him. And I, you know, these lists of things he didn't do and who he wasn't and how all these other things could be fulfilled somewhere else. Um, but I soon found out that they weren't. And so I left and um, we were apart and separated and then divorced. We were apart for a total of seven years before we got remarried. So David, during that time, uh, as Aaron said that she had checked out and left, what, what was your process? Well, I didn't even realize it Um, again. I was just, I was at work and I would come home and one of our, one of our greatest struggles and I think part of, of, of being strong is realizing your weaknesses. And um, we are definitely much stronger today than we were then. And part of that is because we realize what our weaknesses were. And our greatest weakness then and probably still even now, we have to really be intentional, was communication. Uh, we're just terrible communicators. And, like not uh, at all. Like yeah. We just don't communicate, not yell, not didn't just yeah. go, we just don't talk. Yeah, so, so I mean, we would, we would get home and have these, you know, married couple conversations, whatever that would look like, but it was, never, it was never about struggles, it was never about trials, it was never about hard things, nor was it about making one another better or helping one another grow or what we were doing spiritually. Or, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't about either one of those, it was just middle of the road, conversations like you would have with someone at work or at the coffee shop. And so what happened was she had checked out. She had checked out mentally. She had checked out physically. She had checked out emotionally. She had checked out spiritually. And I'm coming home just plugging away, man. And I I, I just didn't realize it. And in my mind, everything was justified because of the things he was doing. So 
Yeah. I justified it in my mind. Yeah. So those times were, were dark, discouraging, depressing. It, it was a real struggle. It was a real battle. At, during those times, did you ever feel like there's no hope? We're, we're done. It's over. We move on. Yeah, um, definitely, uh, especially after the first year or two, we, we had moved back in together and tried and went to counseling and really thought we were giving it our best efforts, but especially in me, I can't speak for David, but my own self, my heart really wasn't there. I was just kind of going through the motions, and so eventually finally moved out the last time and said, okay, this is over. I gave it my best shot. Um, everybody... Half the people in America get divorced and they move on, and I can do this too. It's going to be okay. Um, and so I just kind of closed that chapter on my life at a certain point. Yeah, so it's the process of her coming in and leaving and coming in and leaving and coming in and leaving. Um, we had went to a counselor, and, and honestly, I think that, that I really wanted to make it work. And I knew that her heart wasn't in the right place for counseling, like she didn't want to make it work at that point, but but I wanted to make it work. But what I hadn't realized at that point was I wanted it to work for the wrong reasons. I wanted it to work because I wanted our ministry. I wanted it to work because of what people were talking about. I wanted it to work because of our pride. I didn't want it to work because of us. I wanted it to work for all of the external reasons. And uh, we went to a counselor, and I remember sitting there and he asked this one question she had given, he had asked her if she still loved me and she gave uh, all the reasons why she didn't. And I remember he asked me, he looked at me and he said, why in the world do you still wanna be married to her? And I'm like, because I love her. But at that point, I don't know that I understood what true love was I just wanted it to work because this is the way it's supposed to be. And um, it just just wasn't gonna happen. So David, you had shared earlier, and I think it's, it's good because it's easy when one person is clearly wrong that we focus on that and be like, well, if you'll change this, fix this, and everything will be all right. Yeah. But God had to do a work in your heart as well. Share a little bit about that. Yeah, so just in, in, the, in the eyes of appearance, uh, because she was the one that had left, and it was more visible to, to everyone that was watching that you know, she was the one in, in the wrong. And so many times, so many times we, we wanna draw focus on that, but in our situation, what I had to realize was that hers may be visible, but mine is just unseen. It, wasn't, it was not like that I was, uh, living, um, living a, a clean life, I had just as much part of it as she did. Just hers was more visible than mine was. Mine was, um, mine was more hidden. Uh, but God had to really work on me uh, for that. Had to bring me to a place to realize that there was sin in my life that had to be dealt with before we could ever begin to deal with us together. I had, in my own self, had to be right. And the decision really came that if, at this point, we didn't even know, we weren't even talking about us. It was just, 
She was working on her, I was working on me and thinking that we're moving forward. But what we realized were we were in completely different circles. We had completely different groups of friends, different groups of people, but we were in the same place. We were just in a dark place. Um, She was in her dark place and I was in my dark place. We were just hurting. We could be in a a sea of a thousand people and just be so lonely. And, um, and, And it wasn't because people weren't reaching out to us. It was because we were just in a bad place spiritually. We were in a bad place emotionally. Um, and so God had to really break me to work on me. And as he began to break me and work on me, I didn't even know it, but he was working on her and he was breaking her. So what was the turning point? Um, turning point. Well, it was a lot of different things, but, um, I had shared earlier in the first service that I, you know, I had grew up believing in God and, and going to church. And when we, when I went through all that and left my husband and I just really questioned who God was and his existence. And really, even if this whole thing about God was real, like, why would he allow this to happen in my life? Even though I played a part in it, I thought I was blaming everything on God. And, and at one point I was just so depressed and I thought, well, maybe God, if you allow me to just have a car wreck on the way home, like my girls and my husband, my, not my husband at the time, but they would be so much better without me. And these were just lies that the devil was feeding me. And so I really just <clears throat> continued to feed that depression, didn't go to church. Um, but it was when I started, I had people who reached out to me that loved me, um, knew I was doing things that weren't right, but didn't throw that in my face, just loved me and prayed for me. Um, and I can just say, you know, if you know somebody who's going through something, just love them and pray for them. That's what they need. Um, but um, it was when I started to go back to church, not that church is a building, but really just become involved in worshiping and serving, serving God again and reading the Bible and really learning about who the God of the Bible was because I knew everything in the Bible. I knew what it was, but to really have that relationship, um, that's when that turning point started to happen for me because when I became faithful, God started speaking to me and really opening my eyes about what, what could be um, possible. Um, and at that time it still wasn't David, but I really wanted to start serving and, and going back into the things that I used to do. Um, but like at at the moment it really was, I really didn't focus on David. It was more on God. But when I started to focus on him within a few months, David started texting me again. I was like, what is he doing? (laughs) Who is this? Yeah, she, she definitely was getting in a better place, but wasn't thinking about me, was just thinking about her being in a better place and moving forward. And, and as I, and as the Lord brought me to a better place, he just began to, to be, to put her on my mind and, um, and just really, just really just rekindle this desire for her. And, um, and that took a while. Um, it took a while to accept, but the Lord just really broke me one day over obedience that we teach our kids to be obedient. You know, I was, I was working in a school system and I was working in a, in a church and, and, you know, in all of these things, we command obedience. And yet we were living so disobedient to what God had for us. And so he just really broke me over that one day that you have, you have an, an option and you can, you can continue to live in disobedience and, and go your own way, or you can you can take the option that I'm giving you and you can take a step of righteousness and you can 
take a step of obedience. And so I just began to text her and it wasn't, it wasn't much. It was just, honestly, it was just to communicate. Um, we had not, um, because we weren't good communicators, uh, we had not said a whole lot. We hadn't been ugly to one another, uh, but we hadn't really been, you know, we hadn't really been edifying either. Um, and so it would just was just, let's just see if we can just get this conversation started. So to those of us listening to your story, what would you share with us? What, what, if we're in a marriage that is struggling, that as you said, nothing majorly wrong, just going through the motions, there's not that depth, there's not that communication, there's not that relationship. What, what did God teach you through this process that anyone who's following after God would need to have in their relationship with their spouse? Um, just to really, one of the things that I expected in marriage was for it to be this fairy tale, this Disney film, everything was going to be perfect. And when he didn't fulfill all those things and then the ministry took him away, um, it was like the perfect storm. And, uh, I began to, he did all these things wrong. Um, and so one of the things that I do now is to obviously pray for, for your husband, but, um, really to dwell on what, what is your spouse? What are they good at? What are, what, what do they do well? And to really minimize the things like if they didn't, I always, I always say take out the trash and whenever we speak, because that's one of the things that bothers me <laughs> so much, but I take out the trash now if it needs to be taken out, but really just dwelling on the positives and what they're good at and what, uh, what am I thankful for about my husband? Because he's a gift to me. He's a gift from God that I do not deserve. Um, one of the things that, that I had to do just as, as a husband and, and as a leader of our home was I had to realize that this is a partnership. And even though God gives me the leadership in that, um, he's also given me a helpmate and he's given me a partner. And if I try and do it on my own, then I'm leaving out a significant part of, of the process and a part of the team. And... Um, and it was scary for us uh, when we got remarried after, it was almost eight years. It was, it was incredibly scary. We were, we were far more hesitant than we ever were the first time we got married because we were so scared, what if it doesn't work? What if, you know, what if we try and, or what if, what if people find out that, that, we're even, uh, that we're even dating, that we're even talking to one another? What if our kids find out? What if our, what if our parents find out? What if our friends find out and, and, it, and it doesn't work, then now we're going to let everyone down again. And, um, and so it's, it, it just was, was, um, it was very scary to take that step. But what we knew was it was a step of obedience, but we had changed and, uh, we had changed drastically over that seven years. And so it was like marrying a brand new person and I had, to, I had to learn who she was. And um, one of the things for me in, that I've really had to, I'm, really, I'm just so thankful for, but I've just learned how strong she is. Just who she is as a person. The strengths that she brings to our marriage and who she encourages me to be and who she pushes me to be. Before I resented that, and now 
I'm so thankful for it. And I see her interaction with, in her business, she has so many interactions with clients and, and, and just so many different people and different walks of life. And, and, and to know, because I know her personally, I know where she was. And to see who she is today and how she helps to lead our family and to lead other people, man, she's just so strong. And the Lord had to really give me that. I think that um, one of the things that you need to do is study your spouse. Like we, we, we want to learn everything about our job or if there's something we're into, if we want to do a triathlon, we, we study everything we can, the nutrition and, and all these things that want to make us better at that. But how well do we really know and study our spouse? This, you know, like I said, this gift that God has given you, we, we don't. Um, we just take it for granted and just go about our life. This, this is, I'm married, I have kids, and let's just go throughout the day and through the motion. About who your spouse is. So one of the things that I want to make sure that you didn't miss is they were separated and divorced for almost eight years. And then God brought them together. They dated for a year. And next week, they will have been remarried for three years. That's a story of grace. But just as Aaron said, their marriage didn't start off with the Disney fairy tale. And sometimes you think, well, to get to that point, it's just magical. No, it was hard. They had to go through a lot. And if you heard him say, God had to work in their life. You know, it's easy to look and say, you know what? If my spouse would change, then I would change. But God's calling you to change. Set that example and watch what it does. And just to watch the two of them, you, you, can, you can hear the tears. You can hear the emotion. That's not staged because they're just a picture of grace and of hope and that God took something that looked like it was in ashes and he's made something beautiful from it. Uh, David, one last thing I want you to share that you shared in the first time was in that turning point, your daughter said something to you that got your attention. What was that? Yeah, so as we're, you know, your kids play such a significant part just in who you are and who your family is. And, and um, one of the things that really as God was beginning to work on me uh, for for, for what is next and should we, should I pursue her? Um, one of my daughters asked me one night, you know, so many times they ask questions that we have no answers for. And we, you know, may, maybe we try and direct them to a different question or we try and, and skirt the issue. And, 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 um, and so that certainly was the case here. But she asked a question and she said, dad, will I ever know what it's like to live in a home with a mom and a dad? And for that, it was... I mean, it was, it, it was just so um, like a punch in the gut because I wanted with, every, with all of my might, with everything that I am, I wanted to say yes. But the reality was I didn't know. But I thought, God, I'll try. Just as we looked at last week in Malachi 2, God says, stop being faithless and start being faithful. And that's what you see in the story of their grace is they both were faithful. Didn't know what the outcome would be, 
but they trusted God. Whatever it is, God, we got to start doing it your way. I've asked for David to share with us a message, just kind of tying this in from a, from a, a man that has been through this for us to be able to understand what, what God has to say. So Aaron and I are going to go off stage and David's going to share with us uh, a message of how do we get hope? How do we get restoration? So one of the things that we always try and mention and we slip past at this time is that one of the things that we've learned this go around that we did not do the first go around, first of all, is we try and, and communicate better. But the other thing is that we have to spend time together. That if I'm gonna communicate with her and if I'm gonna know her and if I'm gonna know how, how strong she is and if I'm just gonna know her as my wife and my partner and my best friend, I have to spend time with her. And I have to be intentional about that. That is not something that comes easy. It's something that you have to do, you have to make. And, um, and, and Satan, it's a lot like our, our devotions. Satan will bring everything, everything that he can to take and steal that time from you. And uh, so we, we just try to be intentional about that. When we got remarried, we uh, moved very quickly uh, to Raleigh. We uh, had a job there and the Lord opened a door for us there. Uh, really, we were out of leadership and we were just resting. And we just had a, a time to rest as a family. Um, but she was working a full-time job. I was working a full-time job. We had four international students that were living with us. And so things were, things were insane at our house and we just didn't have time together. And, um, and we just began to pray. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. And so we just began to pray, God, these are things, we believe that you've brought us to this place in obedience. And these are things that we need to be successful in this place. And, and, and this, is, this is what we need. And one of those things is we need, we need a place where we can spend time together. We need a place where we can minister together and um, where our family can, can minister together and reclaim some of the years that we've lost. And after two years, he just opened that door wide open. And, um, and you have not because you ask not, but God says that when we ask in his name and we believe that he'll give it to us, then he did that for us. And so now our time is every morning at 5.30, we get up and we go to Planet Fitness together. Now, I'm gonna just be straight up with you. I don't care a thing about 5.30 and I don't care a thing about Planet Fitness. So if you have other ideas that we could do, I'd, I, would, I, would, uh, I would be open for that. But that time is so special to us in the mornings. We get up, we have a 20 minute ride, we work out. We're not on the same machines, we're not even in the same area, but we're in the same place. We're not even talking, but we're there together. And then we leave and we, and we, we have 20 minutes to connect on the way home. And we get home, we usually get home about 7.30 and at 7.30 our kids are dressed and they know that, that that's, that's family time. So every morning we just sit down at the table before school from, from 7.30 to about 7.50 and we just share. Sometimes we, we, we share out of God's word. Sometimes it's just prayer requests and we just pray. Sometimes we just talk about some struggles. Sometimes we talk about how we can pray for other people or things that we're going through, but we just invest time. And if there's nothing else that you get 
this morning except this, be intentional about vesting time in the things that matter the most. I spent so long investing so much time in things that now somebody else is doing. Just be intentional about investing time in things that matter the most. And so now every day that God allows and every day that our schedule allows, before we send our kids to school at eight o'clock, we've invested time in one another and we've invested time in our kids. It's not a lot. It doesn't have to be an hour or an hour and a half. It's just, it's just a little bit that says, hey, we're here and we're in this together. And so my encouragement for you as a, as a couple, no matter what stage of, your, of life you're in, is simply this, just invest in one another. Just invest time together. Um, I'm a full-time student and family pastor in Lexington. My wife is a full-time health coach, and so the, she works part-time in the church office, and so guys just open those doors for us to be together uh, even throughout the day. But one of the things that he has allowed us to do is to just travel and share our story. And, uh, and so we, we started Family Fit Ministries, and the Lord really burdened our hearts for that. And we get the question a lot, why the word fit? Why family fit ministries? Webster dis- defines the word fit as healthy, sound physically and mentally. And if we were to put a purpose, if we were to put a purpose to why we're here this morning, if we were to put a purpose to, uh, to why we committed to just be um, open and vulnerable for the Lord to use, it would simply be for this reason that you might have a healthy marriage that is fit for battle. That you might have a relationship that is fit to withstand the fiery darts of the wicked because he is coming to seek and destroy. And, he, and, and he'll get one of you. And as, he, and as he gets one of you, then he's gonna get your marriage. And as he gets your marriage, he's gonna get your family. And as he gets your family, he's gonna work in your church. And then as he, he begins to work and destroy in your church, then he tries to destroy the name of God. And as a child of God, I am to wave the banner of Jesus Christ high. I'm not to destroy it. But so many times as Christians, we live our life and we're not waving the banner, but we're kind of walking down the middle of the road. And Satan says, I got you. And so our purpose would be that you would just see the need to have a healthy, fit relationship that you could withstand the things that Satan would throw at you. We have a Facebook page. It's called Family Fit Ministries. Feel free to like it and to share it with someone that, that you know because the reality is this. Also on our website is our full, is our full story. There's links on both things to podcasts that we've been, uh, that we've been able to do. I'm sure this will be uh, on, a, on some type of podcast that's shareable as well. Here's what we know. We know that everyone that needs to be encouraged and needs to hear that there's hope isn't here this morning. You may work with them. They may be in your family. They may be in your neighborhood. And they just need to be encouraged. And so just connect them with a way that you can encourage them. And if connecting them to our story is the only way that you know to connect them to, for a way to be encouraged, then please do that. Just please do that. We just want to encourage. And so as I look, as I look back at our story and the things that, um, that would 
help us this morning. Our goal is simply this, to challenge you for better, to motivate you for more, and to encourage you with hope. Let me say that again, to challenge you for better, to motivate you for more, and to encourage you with hope. The reality is this morning that if you've been to the marriage altar one time, two times, three times, four times, however many times, you're gonna fit into one of these four categories. You're either happily married, you're unhappily married and no one knows it. You're unhappily married and people know and you're planning to split. Or you're already split and wondering and looking for what's next. But if you are married or have been married this morning, then you're in one of those four categories. You're either happily married, you're unhappily married and no one knows it, you're unhappily married and you're pursuing a split or you've already split and you're looking for what's next. And can I tell you this morning that we understand that everyone's story doesn't turn out like ours. That doesn't make us better than anyone else. It doesn't make us professional people in any stretch of the imagination. All it means is that that was God's plan for us. In our moment of faithfulness, he says, I'm gonna give you a measure of grace and I'm gonna restore your marriage. What it means for you is to be faithful right now. Maybe there's, maybe there's a past in your background that you didn't do everything right. Maybe there's a past in your background that it wasn't, it wasn't God honoring. Maybe that past was 10, 20 years ago. Maybe it was yesterday. But what we do know is that we serve a God who's faithful. And what he's asking us to be is just be faithful. Just be faithful, just honor him. And he promises to bless his people. He promises to bless his people. I wanna share with you this morning, the quality of our relationships has an influence on the quality of our living. The quality of our relationships has, a, has influence and impact on the quality of our living. As I create and I cultivate stronger relationships and better relationships and God honoring relationships, it, it helps the quality of my living. Take for example, if you have a stressed job situation because you have a relationship at work that, that, that isn't quality relationship, maybe you don't get along with your boss. I don't have to describe for you what that work environment is like. I don't have to describe for you why it's a struggle for you to get up and go to work every day because you have that struggled relationship and your quality of life at work is not healthy. And it's like that in every situation. My neighbor, my community, my extended family, maybe people that used to be family, my children, my wife, the quality of my living is based on the quality of my relationships. If I treat my relationship with junk, then, then I'm gonna have junk in my life. God says that, that, that we are to cultivate and to create quality relationships and that we're to live in a quality of life that he has prepared for us. When we create healthy relationships, we can enjoy healthy living. 
That was God's plan all along. God, God set the stage for our relationships when he created us. He's our heavenly father. He gives us the picture of family. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He gives us the picture of external relationships. And if you're a follower of Christ this morning, you're a part of his church and his church is the bride of Christ. And we see a picture of marriage. And so God didn't depend on, God didn't depend on humans to set the standard or set the picture for relationships, he set the picture for relationships. And so what I want us to see this morning is that he desires the best for our relationships. He desires the very best. All through scripture, we see where his plan is for it to be good. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. I've got something better for you. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Love your wives as Christ Love the church. That verse, that verse was one that I had to go to time and time and time and time and time again. That, I, that if she is my wife, that I am to love her as Christ has loved the church. And I cannot love anyone as Christ loved the church until I fully understand the love of Jesus Christ in my life. And when I fully understand the love of Jesus Christ in my life, then I can love someone else that way. Wives, submit and respect to your husbands. Bring honor to your father and to your mother. Raise your children in the love and the nurture of the Lord. Man, all throughout scripture, we just see where God says, these are relationships that I've put in your life and I desire for them to be good. But if we're just real this morning, we just mess up. I mean, if we, if we, if we live in a world that's real, we get caught up in society's thoughts, we get, sought up in, in, we get caught up in cultural ways, we get caught up in what we see on social media and so many times we just believe that there's something better than what I have. And instead of building what I have better, I just wanna jump somewhere else. And God says I've created relationships to be good and to be profitable in your life. As we travel, we, we hear this phrase, we hear this phrase, toxic relationships. And when we get into God's word, what we find is that if we feel that we're in one of those, that what's toxic is sin. What's toxic is sin. And in our life, we would have, we would have probably said the same thing. But what we had to realize was that sin was involved. And I'm gonna share with you this morning, just wanna read a verse and, and, and give you just a couple of thoughts on it from Proverbs chapter four. This is a verse that, that we go to a lot. In Proverbs chapter four, verse 23, it says this. Proverbs chapter three, verse 23. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23, it says, keep that heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. What Solomon says here, he gives us three things. He says, you're, you have a heart and you have life and you have issues. It doesn't say that you might have issues. It doesn't say that just hold on that they might come. He says, you have a heart and out of your heart 
are the issues of life. The issues that we deal with in life are often a product of what we've allowed in our heart. In fact, he goes on to say that we're to guard our mouth and that we're to guard our eyes and that we're to guard our feet because those are the pitfalls. They're the pitfalls of our faith. It's a lot like the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And then when we, then we live a life with, with a heart that is unguarded to sin, I begin to live a life of sin. When I live a life that is with a heart that is unguarded to sin, I begin to live a life of sin. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 35, that a heart, that the treasure of a good heart brings forth good things, but the treasure out of an evil heart brings forth evil things. And so what we read all throughout scripture is that when I have a heart that is unguarded to sin and sin comes in, sin goes out. And when sin comes in, sin goes out. When sin comes in, sin goes out. And we try and walk down this straight and narrow road, allowing sin in and putting sin out, thinking God's going to bless and it's all going to be okay. And it doesn't work that way. But the picture that Jesus paints is that when I put Jesus in, Jesus comes out. And when I put Jesus in, Jesus comes out. And that the quality of my relationships is not because sin came in and sin came out, but because Jesus came in and Jesus came out. And if we're honest this morning, sometimes we have to show Jesus to people that we think might not deserve it. We get caught up in angerness, in anger, we get caught up in bitterness, we get caught up in unforgiveness. And we say things that shouldn't be said and we look at things or people that shouldn't be looked at. We develop relationships that shouldn't be cultivated. We go places that we shouldn't go. Solomon warns of all those things because it's a product of an unguarded heart and when sin comes in, sin goes out. In the end of that passage, in Proverbs, Verse 27, it says, turn not to the right or to the left and remove your foot from evil. Solomon says, point your eyes straight ahead. Point your eyes straight ahead and focus on what is right. Focus on what is necessary. Focus on what is needed and build a heart for God build a heart for God. That protected heart produces relationships that are pure, that are peaceful, that are positive, and that are profitable. And what we know this morning is that we didn't all come in this morning with relationships that match But let me be the first to tell you this morning that you can leave here this morning with a relationship that matches that. A song that we often go to and that we we love because it is just ministered and really it tells our story is for king and country's burn the ships. And maybe you know that song. If you don't know it, you need to 
you need to look it up. I love watching it on YouTube and just being able to see the, the, the vision that it is cast there through the words of that song. But the song just talks about taking things that are in the past and just burning it and just moving forward and saying, thank you, Jesus, for what's ahead. And can I tell you this morning that your past is your past and start today and just be faithful. Just start at this altar this morning and just build something that's productive. Sir, your wife and your children, they need you to be right. Ma'am, your husband needs you to be right. Your family, they need you to be right. They need you to honor the Lord. They need you to just keep pushing on. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't say, well, everybody else is doing it. It's okay. Don't say that, well, culture, culture kind of gives us this thought that it'll be all right. Can I tell you that's not what's in God's word? God's word says, just be faithful and I will bless and I will build. Keep on going. It's not easy. Sometimes it's ugly. But it's always right. As I look at our marriages this morning, my thought would be this, that you would protect your marriage. There is an enemy, there is an enemy that seeks to destroy you. He seeks to destroy you. He seeks to rip you apart because if he can rip apart a family that's in church this morning, he's gonna have a heyday this week. Protect your marriage. Prioritize your spouse. Men, put a priority on her. She is far above that job you have. She is time well spent far above any hobby that you could have. She deserves your very best. Put a priority on her like none other because there is no other like her. She is a gift to you, cherish that, love that, lift her up, pray for her and put priority on her. And then lastly, Develop a purpose for your marriage. If you're walking, if you're walking through life without purpose, then you're destined to get off track. When you walk into your job tomorrow, there's gonna be, there's gonna be duties for you to do. No one's just, just gonna sit at their desk all day, all week with never anything to do. You walk in, in the morning with a purpose, there's a job to be done, there's a goal that has to be reached, there's deadlines that have to be met, there's quotas that have to be filled, there's customers that have to be made happy. Can I tell you that your family is the very same thing and they deserve purpose in your direction. You need to have a plan for your marriage. You need to have a plan and a purpose for your family. Know where you're headed. 
some of you in here this morning are, 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 past, are past having children that are in school and you have grown children and they're out and they're, they're married, they're, they're, they're trying to, to fight this battle on their own. Can I tell you this morning to just encourage them? Pray for them, love them. They won't always make the right choices. Just encourage. Just be faithful. Just be faithful. Protect your marriage, prioritize your spouse, and purpose your family. Purpose your family. Can we pray this morning? We can't go back and rewrite history. Many of us made choices that maybe now we would regret. But what we can do is we can be faithful today. Some of us have relationships that desperately need to be mended and restored. Some of us have marriages that need to be reconciled. All of us have hearts that need to be guarded for out of it are the issues of life. Father, I'm thankful this morning for who you are. You are a great and mighty God. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, every day when every knee will bow before you and every tongue will confess that you are God. Lord, my prayer is this morning that we wouldn't wait until one day, but that we would start today, that we would be on our knees and we would be on our face and we would say, God, you are holy and you give hope and you are faithful. Lord, you take our mess and you make it your message. You take our sin and you show us a savior. you're so faithful and so Lord my prayer this morning is that you would take broken hearts and broken lives and that you would mend them together that you would restore them God that you would show maybe a family that's here this morning that reconciliation is possible and it's needed and it's a tough road and it's a, a high mountain to climb but it is glorious and it is right and it is profitable for your kingdom Father, may we keep pushing. May we keep walking. May we keep purposing in our heart that I might not sin against God. Father, thank you for who you are, for what you've done in my life, and what you promised to do in the lives of all of your children. In Jesus' name, amen. My plea to you this morning is simply this. We went over four groups that we're a part of. You're either happily married, you're unhappily married and no one knows that you're unhappily married looking to split or you're already split looking for what's next. Can I tell you this morning that this place is for you? This place is for you. Hearts that need to be mended, 
husbands and wives that need to pray, that need to say, I'm sorry, but we're gonna do better. Husbands that need to take your wife's hand and come down and say, today we're gonna be intentional about time together and it starts with praying right now. Maybe your parents of children that are in a tough spot in their marriage, or maybe you just wanna pray that they would have strength. Whatever it is that God's leading your heart to this morning, man, don't be afraid. This is a place of restoration. This is a place of hope. This is a place of reconciliation. This is a place of love. Just be faithful.